Welcome to Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert, a podcast sponsored by the Healing Lives Center. Discover how to love and lead your family well and biblically. God created sex, marriage, and the family for our stewardship, growth, and benefit. My heart and passion is to teach, train, educate, and disciple Christians that want strong marriages and families. The Healing Life Center has been serving Christians since the year 2000. Its mission is to be a center for sex, trauma, and marriage education and transformation, where we offer counseling, coaching, courses, and speaking services to you, your church, or ministry. Check us out at HealingLives.com. Today's session is geared towards teens and preteens, so parents that are listening, listen away, but this is for your teen or preteen. Um, this is a recording of a seminar that I did, uh, session two, at the Ocean Homeschool Conference in June 2022 in Albany, Oregon, called Love, Sex, Dating, and Marriage for Teens. Welcome. Okay, so this QR code here will take you to the PowerPoint later. You want to, it's also the same one on the cards, um, and also the recordings and stuff like that, and other things we'll have that I'll be posting to kind of for this conference. So just, just a reminder there. But let me start with kind of the elephant in the room in the sense of the title. Love, sex, dating, and marriage is kind of in the wrong order, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> had a lot of people over the years had this title for a long time. Um, and they're like, that's the wrong order. I know. It sounds better that way. <laughs> it's also the way we're doing things nowadays. Because it's messed up. So one of the goals today is to give you a framework that's different. Many of us have heard the word dating and heard the word courting, but half of us use it in different ways than others, and so what do we do? We'll kind of talk through that. Um, this website here, you can actually, this, I have a seven-hour version of this course. We're going to cram into this next hour, where I really talk through a biblical worldview and a picture of marriage and dating to do this well, because I really do believe, my heart's passion is that that you marry well, that you actually find someone that's your partner, your best friend for life, and that you want to do life with, and this isn't something you want to come into with collateral damage galore. So how to do that. So teens, I'm really going to be talking to you, by the way. So those in the room that are teens, you're my audience. The rest are just here because they, I guess, felt they had to, whatever. <laughs> so I'm going to be talking to you mostly. Um, because to me, again, this is such a, a passionate, important thing. Even the let's talk about sex part. Sex is the draw in some sense, but it's not the most important piece of this puzzle. And when it comes to marriage, I have a class even that I have called Icing on the Cakes. The sexual part should be a really good part of the us. It's not the most important part. But when I see a client, see a couple that's struggling, and they're struggling in their sex life, it's because it's the most important part in that moment. It becomes a deal breaker, which is heartbreaking that we let something so small in some sense, but so precious, hurt us, harm us. Um, when you do this, by the way, when you do this whole marriage thing, this is what happens. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> Best day of my life. Still can't believe it. We're at 19 years, so maybe we're just barely getting started. Um, incredible what happens. But when this happens, then this happens. They start coming. Like, it's awesome. And I didn't think you could have kids because of health issues I've had, and it's been amazing to see these three experiments, is what I call them, um, grow up and realize that they have free will, and I don't like that. <laughs> I, just, I just don't. It's like I remind them, you don't have, I hate that you have free will. You make your own decisions. Every one of you teens are going to make your own decisions. And you're going to make decisions that are going to have uh, impact on your life forever. 
So the picture for today is this one. We're going to talk about this bridge. Um, and I picked this weird looking bridge because I was like, this is kind of what dating's like. It's a roller coaster type thing. But we're going to go from connecting and friendship. And what's the goal is to take someone across that bridge to covenanting marriage. That's the goal, I hope. Otherwise, you're in the wrong place. Um, and how many people do we want to go across that bridge? And I hope it's just one. And there's some steps in between that we're going to talk about. We, we use, again, this word dating and courtship. Many of us want this. We want it, you know, the castle. We want the, the brass ring of kind of relationships. We want the, the love story. And what's crazy is, I know for my wife and I, we met, and I was in the hospital three times in our 10 months of dating. It was not some amazing story in that sense. We met online, which is kind of fun. She doesn't like that part, and sharing that part. But um, equallyoak.com, that works. And... Uh, but then we got married in 11 months of marriage. I ended up in the hospital and doctors said I wasn't going to make it. It's not what you signed up for. Some of you have been through that. Parents, you've been through stuff where it's like, this isn't what I signed up for. Exactly. Welcome to marriage. It's not. So we need to be careful about what Hollywood sells us. And oh my gosh, love songs are terrifying. That's all I used to listen to. So I realized how messed up they are. <laughs> so I want to start with this end piece, this covenanting marriage. What does that look like? When you think of the beauty and purpose of marriage, we need to go to Scripture. What does the Bible say about marriage? Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. There is a standard and a definition of what marriage should be like and what we should come into it with. And that should guide us sexually. It should guide us relationally. It should put in boundaries. We could spend a lot of time right there, and we'll, we will come back to that. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. He receives favor from the Lord. There's something beautiful about that. I honestly don't believe I'd be alive today if I had not married her, my wife. I'm pointing that way because that's where she's sitting. But because <laughs> um, the stuff we've been through, health issues and other things, it's been incredible to have someone so steadfast um, in my, my life. It's better to live alone in the corner of an addict. Attic. Anyway, then with a quotesome wife and a lovely home. How many, actually the phrase I use is how many didn't marry very well? So don't raise your hands. <laughs> you don't want to be someone who doesn't marry well. Like I found out later, I remember I had this one uncle, and he was holding this bottle of what looked like urine to me, but found out it was alcohol, and telling my dad, don't you ever trust that woman of yours. And he died an alcoholic, no one went to his funeral. His wife died an alcoholic. Kids were running from the law. They stole their kids from foster care. Just this horrible. I found out after his death, he was a clinical psychologist. And he married this very, 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 very hurt woman that destroyed him in his whole life. And it's like, who we marry actually matters. A worthy wife is a crown for her husband, but a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. So true. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light be live in darkness? This is a critical. The, the Bible is telling us what to do and what not to do, which is kind of important to maybe listen to. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. That's our calling, men, which we should shake in our boots. The, the gravity and the weight of that. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied. The, the, they record, at the beginning God made the male and female, and he said, 
Uh, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother. It's the, the process and joins his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Design is beautiful. It's covenanting. It's coming together. It's not a contract. It's not just kind of, we'll do this until something better comes along, or if things get rough, then we'll, we'll reevaluate. And I hear this from a lot of Christians. We gave it a good shot. It was a good run, 10, 20 years, or two or three. No, it's till death do us part. It's this, that's just the beginning. And the thing is, is what I see is people preparing for this more than for what's next. And what's next is what you need to be preparing for. You need to take a Dave Ramsey money class. We did two or three times. It took us a while to, for it to take, and still hasn't fully taken. It's, <laughs> it's hard. Um, and you need to actually understand about sexuality and understand about that piece of the puzzle. Um, you're going to have two different worlds that are coming together in marriage. What is another critical piece of marriage? It's procreation. Just FYI. Babies were meant to come into this world in the context of a mom and dad in a covenant relationship. Not outside of that. If we actually got this in order right, we wouldn't be talking about... And we have been. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Sex is about pleasure, pleasure. So we put it in our teen years, and it's normal, because procreation is almost an accident. It's fixable, which is heartbreaking, because it's not God's design at all. It's meant to be for procreation. For pleasure, yes. It's actually meant to be a beautiful thing and a great thing. For protection, the sexual relationship, the covenant of marriage protects us from ourselves, actually and committing and, and, and honoring that commitment. It's partnership, it's companionship, it's someone to journey with and, and do life with. It's perseverance. That's what this is in terms of what it's meant to be that I hope you teens want. I want you to paint a picture, and the, the longer class that I do on this, I really help you paint that picture. I want that so bad, I choose to not do certain things today. I choose to have boundaries today. So. This connecting stage, this is all of our friendships, all of our relationships. Guys, girls, doesn't matter who, everyone we know. And there's going to be a few of these people that are going to walk into that, or take that step onto that bridge to go across towards marriage. Towards marriage. And we'll talk about that in a second. But this first piece here, connecting, what is this? We need to figure out who am I. The first step for you is to figure out who you are, what you will and won't do, what you want, what your, what your goal if we're not careful, it's purely hormonal. That's it. That's the only thing driving this question. And this word attraction, it's purely attraction. Whatever I think, whoever I think is attractive in the moment, whether it's a guy or a girl or both or neither, or, and we then define that in asexual or I'm gay or bi or heterosexual. It's so interesting and sad because we've almost taken it down to the lowest level possible that breaks God's heart. Now I want to give you a tool, one that I actually used that really helped me. And it's interesting to think some of you will not like it maybe, but I actually really like this. This, this book came out by Neil Clark Warren years ago called Two Days or Less. Hated that title. Like how in the world can you know if someone's worth pursuing in Two Days or Less? Um, later he re-released it as Date or Soulmate, and I was like, I don't like the word soulmate, so I still don't like your title. But I like this book, and I'm going to give you the summary of and kind of what I did with it. And what I started teaching, ironically, before I met my wife, um, 
I was using this, I was applying this and talking about it and applying it. So it starts off with this. This, this is a list of the 25 most popular must-haves. By the way, this is your shopping list. Yeah. What are the things that you would put on a list that you would not settle for in, in not being on that list? And what you start realizing is for many of us, we start filling in that blank, the silhouette, no pun intended, um, of the kind of girl or kind of guy I would be attracted to. And it's like, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who they are, what they represent, what they're willing to fight for. And so you start doing this, you start realizing there are some absolute non-negotiables for you. And so his, his push is in two dates, you should be able to find the answer to these, these 10 things. You should be able to know. Which ironic, my wife found my list with other girls' names written at the top. Check marks. That was a fun conversation. <laughs> so the rules here for this is to decide on what your, you would rank as your top 10. And they must be absolutes. Like one of the ones that I had on my top my list, top ten, was actually that she had to like motorcycles. <laughs> so, and then I realized that's not actually a deal breaker. And I had to realize that I need to take that off the list. And I still married someone who at least lets me ride one. But as long as I have life insurance. <laughs> this becomes your shopping list of what you will not settle less for. Um, my wife and I don't drink, never had a sip of alcohol. That wasn't even on my list, but I realized how important that was to me. Because as a counselor, I've seen so much devastation where that one thing. Is it evil? No. Just like money's not evil. What we do with it matters. I know I'm an awesome addict. I don't do things halfway. Like, if you've seen you know, Monsters, the Monster drinks, the lemonade tea ones, I get them by the caseload by, from Amazon every month. I would be an amazing alcoholic. I don't do things halfway. That scares me. To where I've never had a sip of alcohol to this day. Except my quote, that's terrible. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, what about the other side of this? Top, you know, ten, top 20 or top 10 of the 25 or any others can't stand. What are those absolute no way? And when you start thinking through this, by the way, teens, if you're dating someone or interested in someone, you can't do this list. Because you're going to only make it fit them. You have to be completely unattached and single and be okay to really, truly, how do I know what I will not settle less for? Um, and I remember these different periods of my life where I would reevaluate that list and realize, no, I was putting some person in this and they didn't know that's not really true. And what, do I, what am I looking for for a best friend, a partner, a life journeyer, not just someone that you sleep with or someone you almost even tolerate? Because what's sad to me is the couples I see many times, they just tolerate each other. They just put up with each other and it's like, that's not it. Now here are some really important list here. Seven things that are really important to be at least similar on. According to Neil Clark Warren, spiritual harmony. Your faith and where that lies is critical. Your desire for verbal intimacy and ability to be intimate. Really important in terms of that level of that. And what does that look like? And when there's a mismatch here, there seems to be more stress. Is it doable? Absolutely. It's just going to be a lot more difficult. It's just like two people marrying from two very different cultures. Like countries, that's harder. Doesn't mean it's not doable. It's just going to take a lot more work. Um, level of energy, 
level of ambition, expectations about roles, interests, personal habits. These become areas that when you think about it, you start realizing, I haven't really thought about it, but there are some pretty major preferences and or absolute deal breakers that are important to me. So this is really, this is again, for you guys, teens especially, for you to think through what would I not settle thus far. And I, I would put this as such a high standard that then in evaluating, I don't, you know, you're a no. I don't care what I feel towards you. Like, and this is interesting. If you found out that this guy or girl you liked was married. A deal breaker. You should have a boundary there. <laughs> But it's amazing how I've heard this from even some Corbin students at one point years ago. They were like, yeah, this, guy, this girl's dating some married guy. I'm like, what? But she likes him. And shows their ethics, shows their morals, actually shows a lot about their story and probably past trauma and so many other areas that God help. And so I've had conversations with a friend. How do you help point them to the cross? It doesn't mean they'll go. It's also not your job. That's Christ to do his work. How do you discern good character? How do you help someone or help know where a person's at? I'm going to give you some kind of ways to evaluate this further. Behavior and stressful conditions, reputation with others, so talking to others, and then obedient to authority. This is men and women. This is not her. This is our, can they listen to their boss? Are they respectful? Talk to their friends. I remember the, one of the times Kelly and I were dating, we sat down with a couple and we actually asked the question about, we're kind of considering about marriage. And their response mattered prior to her more than anyone else. And when they erupted excited, she, I guess she was, okay, I guess I will. <laughs> um, and, and it matters. If, there's a, if you're hearing rumors in, in a day and age where we can look online and look people up, that's important, actually. Um, Dad does it all the time with hiring people. It's like, you need, we use these resources for a reason. So how do you know when it's time to, or good, good age or a good time to begin crossing that bridge? And the truth is, is there's no magical age. It's an attitude or an attribute of the heart. Now what I tell my kids is it's junior or senior year of college. And they laugh. And we had issues with our oldest. Uh, lots of issues with our oldest. He's 16. <laughs> um, he likes to rescue people like his dad, so that's not a good characteristic necessarily. But I say juniors here of college. Why? Because the culture is pressuring 13, 14, 15. You're not okay if you're not dating someone. Do you want to date someone or do you want to marry? Do you want to just play or do you want to actually have the brass ring, have the great relationship without all this baggage? You're going to have to decide. 16, 17, 18, my personal belief is the day you start dating, you're now dealing with either a wedding or a, merit or a baby within two years or less. So, 16? Okay, if you're getting married at 18, that's great. And some, some of our kids might. If you meet someone that this is the one, that's a different trajectory than, hey, when we're in college. I have a colleague at Corbin, who will, she'll run down the hall sometimes just in fake tears, but mourning the loss of another girl because she's a biology teacher and she's like, oh, another one met some guy and no longer going to be a doctor. And <laughs> it's so funny. She's mourning. It's like, and it's interesting because many that don't go on to become a doctor there is because they met someone, guy and girl, actually, ironically, mostly the girls. And so some of the trajectory of where you want to go might be changed by who you meet and when you meet them, whether it's high school 
or it's, or it's college or beyond or as an adult. So this matters. And yes, some of our kids are more mature at a younger age. By the way, their prefrontal cortex isn't. Brain development, <laughs> maybe it's 25. Um, will, when you are willing to stay single rather than compromise your convictions. That's, yeah. if you're just wanting someone, you've probably met or been around people that have always had a boyfriend or girlfriend. Yeah, they need to be single for a while. No, you need to. And others, and maybe moms and dads can even attest to this, went from living at mom and dad's house to straight to married. And that's a, that's a struggle sometimes. Does everyone need to have that single time? No, 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 no. But we need to be careful with that prescription, just like no one has to go to college and no one has to do this, that, or the other. But biblically, we need to go back to Scripture. What does it say we need to do? So this middle stage is where I want to kind of spend some time now. Coupling. That's what this middle stage is called. Coupling. We're going to go from connecting lots of people, guys and girls, to this. I'm going to start pairing up, heading towards marriage. Now what I see is I see couples all the time who have no intention to head towards marriage. Dating two, three, four years, and it's like, goodness gracious. And the longer you're dating, by the way, you're also probably being physically active, physically, sexually active. I've had a couple that I'm blown away six or seven years dating and still virgins, and like, you are a rare breed. Bless you. Um, that's why this is not a long journey of we meet someone and we date for a long time and then we engage for a long time. This is Actually, when I'm ready, it could be a rather short. My wife and I actually were late 20s, um, 10 months from the day we met her to our wedding. It was a shorter, um, she owned her own house. We were in different life stages, too. It's different when you're um, in high school or in college, even. <laughs> Crazy kids. Think about this, this journey across this bridge. Think about the idea of a backpack. Those backpacks were kind of heavy. Man, after a few days carrying those backpacks, they were really heavy. And then this really stressed my wife out. Uh, I think she says he's a little close. I don't know. I'm the dad. He follows to learn. Just kidding. I was stressed too. That's a little bit of a fast water. But this is what happens for many of us in marriage. We're going across this. This is what we're walking into marriage with. Many of us are walking in a marriage with a load of trauma, a load of hurt. That's, not, that's what I wanted to help you prevent. Some of it you can't. You've had things happen to you when you were a kid. That's a whole different story. There's things that happen to us. I want to help prevent some of the stuff that's actually your choices you're going to make or could make that actually could change your life. Because this stage here, you're going through these three stages. So under coupling, considering, confirming, committing. And you'll recognize... And I like these because, first of all, it's like a good sermon. They're all C's. So, really good. But it's different than this dating courtship words, and I'll get to that in a second. This process here, let's look at the first one, considering. This is still a connecting fr uh, friendship. But this is where you're prayerfully considering a person to go further than that. Separately, so talking to friends, talking to family, but also together. Again, another thing I don't see. We kind of like each other, let's hang out. There's not an intentionality with it. And a lot of time is wasted and a lot of hurt happens during that stage. So this is an intentional heading towards covenant marriage. That's, again, a critical piece. So once a person has been considered um, the coupling, dating, 
our, our dating process starts. The goal of a great date is to build respect for one another. That's another whole different anomaly from our world of did you shave your legs today or did you prepare for sex, basically, which is a heartbreaking instruction from friends oftentimes that's beyond biblical. It's not okay at all. A great date is not centered around entertainment alone. It's about quality time, what you do. This, what you do on these dates are important. How you spend time with this person is really important and in a safe environment. We're going to go meet up at a party, and I'm going to be at a place where I don't have a car, or I don't have a way to get out, or, or a place that I don't know. Goodness gracious, no. When I met Kelly the first time, we had talked for a week on email and phone, and then she gave me her address. So I'll show up at her house an hour early, because I'm early's early. She's a stalker. Um, <laughs> and the first thing I did was chew her out. Don't you ever, I never thought I'd see her again, don't you ever give some strange guy your address? You're two single women living in a house. No, meet in a neutral location. So we went to Cracker Barrel, had a great date, took her home, shook hands, and she thought we'd never see each other again. She said yes to a second date just to be nice because, yeah, I'm a mess. <laughs> um, I told her my life story on the first date. I'm dying. I have health issues. I was walking with a cane. I have a mess. Marry me. Just kidding. Not a, I've got tons of debt. Gay. <laughs> Let me show you this. So many of us use this vocabulary, dating courtship. And I want to give you kind of a, a way to think about these, uh, and then we're going to get moved back to this other model, which I like. Dating is observation. And courtship is depth. It's meant to go deeper. Some of us have a model even of you don't do this alone. You go with people. There's different versions of what courtship could look like. Dating is no strings attached. But courtship is vulnerability. Dating is actually we're on this, you know, this time together, quality time, but you're not getting into these deep, deep conversations yet. Well, what I see is a lot of people, I just met you when we're courting tomorrow. If you go by these definitions, we've jumped way too far into the conversations that's not, um, not ready for, for that. Dating is time allotment versus purposeful. We're trying to head somewhere. If you're going to date for dating's sake, there is no goal. Courting is actually a picture of marriage. It ought to be, at least. Dating isn't in itself. Uh, courtship is moving towards marriage. Or I like this one. Dating is marketing, and courtship is the close. <laughs> like that. Dating is actually one or more people, and courtship's exclusive. Now, can you imagine you could go out with one person Friday night, another Saturday night, and another Sunday night? If you're actually not touching, you're not sharing deep, that, that's the, what dating should be. I don't see that in our world anymore. You should be able to, this is speaking more to college students, you should be able to go to the dining hall with a friend and not the whole place say, hey, they're dating now. Because <laughs> you sat together. And that's what happens in school, that's what happens in college. It's like, care what they think. Spend time in your, your you know, safe environment. But dating, it's just one or more people both of these ought to be filled with respect. But a bad date can cost you time, money, and be an annoyance. A bad courtship can cost you a little piece of your soul. And that's why we need to be careful what we're getting into. Why are we spending time with this person? In spending time with this person, what do others have to say about them? Have I talked to others? Have I polled my committee that I have over here that I put together to help protect myself from myself? 
which by the way, some of you need, because you're attracted to the wrong people. Like some of you ladies, you're attracted to a, the kind of guy that no one would want you to bring home. <laughs> Guys, you're attracted to the wrong kind of girl. And usually it's because of heart, hurt, trauma, or things that have happened to us. We need to be able to have people we come to and say, hey, do you see something that I don't see? And trust them enough to do what we would do as a breakup if they said, I think this is not healthy. The problem is, is you and I think we should just have this all together. We should know. I should just, I, I'm in charge of my life. Yeah, good luck with that. I'm, that. I'm thankful, even in marriage, how much you then together navigate through decisions as a team. You need that now as a single person. I believe that we would have better marriages if we did single life better. There wasn't all this hooking up and all this shacking up and all the other kind of stuff that we end up doing and oversharing and overly evolved. But you need good male friendships and female friendships, both, all of you. Which, by the way, this may be scary. Look at your moms and dads. Some of them need that too. Dads are the worst who don't have male friendships. Men, you need that. Something, somewhere. Um, three questions to ask at this stage. Have you, or ha do you have a regular quiet time? What's your relationship with God? Are you involved in a ch Christian church, a Bible-believing church? And then do you desire to pursue the same type of spiritual life and ministry? Now, this is obviously for a believer. If you're not a believer, then do whatever you want to do. But as speaking to Christians, this is really, 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 really important. What is their relationship with God? What is their relationship with the church? What is their, their desire? If they want to go on a mission field and you want to build a business here in America, you've got a problem. If you're someone that is at the church every single time the doors are open and this person's kind of this hit or miss, you're going to have some major contention when it comes to what should we do, how should we do, do life together. And then, so this is that coupling stage considering. We're just now still considering. Now we're going to move into this confirming stage. If someone passes those tests, if you will, they move into this confirming. This is the engaged to be engaged. We're talking marriage. We're, this is where I consider pre-engagement counseling. Premarital counseling is a great idea. It's, it works a lot better pre-engagement, by the way. Because once you put that ring on it, there's only one thing I'm focused on. The big party. I call it debt day. <laughs> Sorry. Burst the bubble a bit. Um, no. I want to be so sure that you're the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. That I, I, I really strongly, strongly endorse that doing pre-engagement counseling at this point. This is also a stage, this confirming stage, where you're going to do something really difficult. Something that's very much debated, and we probably, if we were to talk about it, would not all agree. This is the airing of your dirty laundry. What does that mean? This is where you start telling people about your past. This person about your past, not people, sorry. Person. Um, how many people do you want to cross that bridge where you've had to tell them your story? Hopefully it's one. But at this point of this, of this journey, you're basically telling them the people you've been physically involved with, the mistakes you've made, things that you've done, other areas of your life that maybe you got caught in this or you never told anyone this. This is a scary part of this journey. Why I don't want anyone to walk into my wife's life and tell her something I haven't already told her. 
5, 10, 20, 30, doesn't matter how long. Now, details, no. Highlights, yes. News, like newspaper article titles. We've, you've shared that. And there's going to need to be questions, and this is a, an area, a critical area. If they can't forgive you for you sharing with them about what you've done with or to another, they will not forgive you when you hurt them. Period. If they are unforgiving of your past, run. Because they're not going to forgive you when you hurt them. Not if, when you hurt them. This is a really critical step that could be here in this confirming or considering stage. We're here on the edge, not, okay, we're engaged, and now we're talking. I had this one couple where they were two weeks before the wedding, and they were doing a last session in premarital, and for some reason I asked a question. I said, so you're a virgin, right, to the guy? And he goes, well, no. They've been dating three years. When they started dating, he lied to her because by omission, she asked, he lied because they're not really that committed yet, and then he just never fixed the lie. And now they're weeks away, and all of a sudden she just dies in front of me. So I looked at him and said, get up, I'll deal with you later. <laughs> and I got up close to her and I was like, okay, you have a decision to make. You hate him right now. You want to hurt him right now. Yes, me too. <laughs> Let's do it together. Um, <laughs> I want you in two weeks to walk down that aisle so sure that he's the man that you want to spend the rest of your life with, without a shadow of a doubt, and not be wishy-washy. And if you walk down that aisle wishy-washy, you're going to doubt yourself the rest of your life. And I watched her calm and go, I choose him. Her, I want to hurt him right now? <laughs> choose him. And that decision was made. It was so critical to then pivot to choosing him, being a forgiven, per, forgiving person. Which also shows us we can forgive pretty quick if we choose to. The emotions catch up later. We want to do it the other way around. We want our emotions to be in line, then we'll forgive. Yeah, good luck with that. Not going to work that way. So, This is a critical stage. One that doesn't get talked about enough, I don't believe. Which, by the way, for some of us, would be nice to not have anything to share. Wouldn't that be great? I assume every couple that's dating is having sex, because I'm a counselor and see too much <laughs> of the unhealthy stuff. So I'm blown away when I see couples who are dating, who've been together a while, and aren't. They've actually had boundaries and they're keeping those. It's beautiful. It can be done. This stage here now, to continue this, you're continuing to evaluate. You're using wisdom here. Wisdom to properly evaluate their character, standard of uprightness, um, personality, what you see is what you get. If this is who you marry, they never change, which we all change, but if they never change, yes, yes or no, versus this is my project. Don't marry a project. My wife and I, we got married. What was scary is I found out she was talking to her mom while I'm in the hospital, and her mom is saying, if you marry Corey, you're going to actually take care of him the rest of your life and work the rest of your life because the doctors were saying I'd never have a job and I'd never work. Um, Humbling to me, she said yes. And she's been a stay-at-home mom for the last 14 years, so God's awesome. Yeah. Um, we need to evaluate with what we got. If that had been our life, okay, that's it. We don't know what the future holds. Another key is conflict resolution. Number one thing that we can actually look at prior to the wedding and predict the outcome of marriage is how you handle conflict. Number one thing. 
So in premarital pre-engagement counseling, that's what I do. So, so we look at how do you handle conflict, and that's a key area that if you, if it's a constant struggle, it's only going to be worse in marriage when you're living together. It, in the end, it should be easy and negotiable. It should be. Is it always? No. We get into those, those seasons. You need to have the same standard of moral uprightness. Of your values need to line up. That's back to even that faith piece, which is really critical. And this ties into communication. Um, there needs to be sensitivity, honesty. Like this Again, who we are, the ability to communicate. Speaking up and telling them how you feel. But here's a really, really critical one about communication. This stage, always give her an out. And yes, guys, I'm talking to you. Always give her an out. Let me give you an example of this. I used this actually with Kelly. I was teaching this class, by the way, when we were dating. Kind of fun. Teaching this 12-week Song of Solomon class, which I'm speaking for like three hours, and then we're walking around this pond afterwards talking about what I just said. Um, and so then I actually use this. In the book of Romance, Tommy Nelson, uh, he states that I strongly encourage every young man who is in a dating relationship to say to a young woman after four or five dates this. He says, I don't know if you're the person God has for me to marry, but I want you to know that you're the type of woman I would enjoy spending my life with. I like being with you, and I'm open to seeing if this relationship goes somewhere. If you want to back out of our dating relationship right now, then that's all right. You owe me nothing but honesty. And I said that to her multiple times. I don't want someone just to settle for me or, or to feel trapped. She is now. She's married. <laughs> <laughs> but there's another side of this, too. If you discover after a few dates that a young woman is not the type of person you want, don't just text her. <laughs> Be honest about your feelings and forthright about your intentions. But what do I see? They've been dating two, three years with no, absolutely no intent to be married. <coughs> and messing around with body parts that they're not supposed to be playing with, and they don't have clear boundaries, this is a problem. And this is why this is so important to, to talk about, by the way, this conversation, so parents, this conversation starts when they're single digits. You're planting the seeds of what even dating looks like before 10, because then they know it all. At 10, 11, 12, when they know it all, you're done, like the scary I know, but anyway. Um, when they know it all, you're, they're not going to listen to you. So you're planting these seeds early, and then you're helping shape and guide that, giving guardrails. Um, be careful not to share too much, too fast, too soon. That's why this journey across the bridge is important. Hands. Careful. <laughs> they bind. Don't kiss until you're willing to be responsible for their heart. This is not normal to hear. I don't understand why kissing seems to be something we can do with everybody, dating-wise, but a prostitute will say, I'll do everything but that. Yeah. Kissing is bonding. So think about that. Maybe there's some of the stuff making out isn't a great idea. We're going to rev the engine up and get everything all sexually excited and go, see ya, good night. No. <laughs> it's meant to lead to the next step and the next step and the next step. So careful with these boundaries. They start now dating so that actually then in marriage, what are my boundaries going to be in marriage? And really, I work with too many affairs, too much adultery. Ironically, one of my favorite areas to do counseling in, to see God do absolute miracles in families and keep families together. I love it. It's just 
heartbreaking. She walks me, come in the door sometimes, go straight to bed and go to sleep because I'm so exhausted. And then a few weeks later, it's neat to see again what God does, and I love that. Too much of a good thing builds resentment. What happens with the physical and sharing too much is it's bonding, but it's too pre it's premature. Be careful with that. You're building towards a wedding that's still just the beginning. Because there should be an excitement regarding the future. There should be. If I have a picture of what the future is going to be, I get excited about the marriage I'm going to have, the relationship I'm going to have, the adventures we're going to have together. Um, we didn't have a lot of excitement about the future. It was kind of, I don't know what the word is. It was scary because our doctors were not telling us good things. But it was wild to kind of go, well, we're linking arms together. We're doing whatever is next together. And then to see what did come was incredible. Why, now we get to the committing stage here. This is a short engagement. Not two, three years, sometimes not six or eight months. Short engagement. Get the bridal magazines and look at the list of all you have to do for the wedding. And you can cut that down to a quarter or less of what they say. Because it's all marketing. Blah. I'm a certified wedding planner. <laughs> I did that before I met her. I was desperate. <laughs> what I learned is this whole industry is whacked. No. And if you met someone, you can have an incredible wedding. It doesn't have to cost you a fortune. And it's just, just the beginning of an incredible life together. Let me give you... This is really interesting. So Shanti Feldon, researcher, she actually had this question. She said... What's the divorce rate? Which is, what do you, what do you hear? 50%. 50%. Where's that from? And she's like, I can't find the roots of that number. And so she started researching and she said it's never been 50%. It was a made up number decades ago. Which means people like me have actually scared couples and others. Half of you are going to divorce. Good luck. No wonder we have such fear of marriage now. And she found that at the height of and she's got parameters that includes takes out widows, um, and even if you're living together. For those that get married, it's been maybe in the 30, 33%. But there are some key factors that if these are in place, it drops down to the teens. The teens. Now, I remember about probably 10 years ago um, hearing that, but in the church, it's like 60 plus percent. All made up. Not true. And that needs to be an encouragement. It makes me mad, but it needs to be an encouragement. There is hope to build an incredible marriage. So let me give you some of these predictors of a healthy marriage that she found in this research. I love what she's done. She's a Harvard-trained researcher, solid believer. Um, just love her um, her work. Number not these aren't in order in terms of numbers, but one of them was church, actively involved in a church. That's a that's changes the divorce rate, lowers the divorce rate. Relationship with the Bible. Reading the Bible, together, separate, how you see God's word lowers that divorce rate. Do not live together. All the data shows living together increases the divorce rate. You're more likely not to make it. Even secular research says, yeah, living together is not a good idea. Yet, that is on the rise right now. Especially if you think of what the cost of rent is. It just makes sense. We just should move in together. No, you should get married tomorrow. And then move in together. <laughs> move the wedding up. And I've seen that. I've seen couples who are like, we've met for premarital, and they come back a week later or a few weeks later, and they're like, yeah, we moved the wedding up. It's like, good. If you know this is the person, 
Stop playing games. <coughs> Move forward already. If they're not, run. So crazy people. <laughs> this is an interesting one though. This one was getting married after 24 actually decreases the divorce rate. Why? Prefrontal cortex development. <laughs> and there's some important factors. By 24 or 5, you tend to know more of where you're heading. Like when I met Kelly, she owned her own house. She had a great job. She wasn't trying to figure herself out. I was a mess, but um, <laughs> I was in counseling practice and I was you know, established. I was working on my doctorate at the time. And we were in a different stage than high school or even college where you're trying to figure that out. So the divorce rate increases if you get married before the age of 24. But there's another interesting piece and in some other research that has shown that getting married after 24, you're also walking with a lot more baggage. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful with some of this. This isn't you have to wait till after 24. I really, if you meet someone that you're now, this is the person and you're in high school, again, a wedding needs to happen in short, shorter years than, than longer. Not now you have to wait till after grad school. And I see this with families. I've had um, couples come in my living room and make that call where he's gonna call the dad but not to ask for the hand, her hand in marriage, but to tell him. And he's gone every which way possible wrong. And it's usually because it's a very unhealthy dad, or a very unbiblical or ungodly dad. But he's so wanting to follow that. It's so hard, it's messy. Um, been at the weddings too. Another factor is first marriage. Ironically, by the way, she also found second marriages aren't quite as like 70% of divorce rate if you're, no, actually it's, 30s, 40 percent. Second marriages can make it too. Um, you just have more baggage. It really is sad, but you have less chance. Community of supportive friends and mentors. Who you have in your life. The key people I hear in stories is coaches, teachers, and youth pastors. Also seeing those same three are the ones that hurt people. So <laughs> it's hard to know who you put your kids around. You send them to so-and-so group, who that coach is or who that leader is actually matters. I've seen friends of ours put kids in scout groups that have a horrible leader and have abuse happening among the boys. Um, that's the leadership. Part of my, I'm a scoutmaster in our Boy Scout troop. Part of the, the selling point to me is this is about building a band of brothers for our sons, but also for us dads. I need mine, and those have become mine. Those are the guys I call in a heartbeat, um, the dads that I do scouts with. But here's the last one she found. It was early, it's not the last, but um, college education. College education drops the divorce rate. And I'm biased, I'm a college professor. I actually think it's important. Um, is it the only piece? No, look at all that. I think one of the most important things here is a person of faith that shows they're a person of faith through their actions can absolutely change the future when it comes to this process of connecting, coupling, covenanting and changes the future of our kids and our, our um, ability to do this well. And I like that. I go from connecting, I have friends, to pairing up. And I don't want a lot of people crossing this bridge to covenant marriage, which is actually meant to be one person for life. There shouldn't be a second chance. Praise God for grace. But there's, it's not meant to be. What I tell my college students all the time is be careful you don't have a divorce card in your back pocket, kind of like the red and yellow card in soccer. 
then when things get tough, you're like, oh man, I gotta stick it out. And you're gonna stick it out. But if you have that card, you will play it. There will be something you'll go through that will be hard that you'll want to play on out. I remember the day I was sick. I was uh, 110, 115 pounds, stuck in bed. We had an old house built in 1893. We were restoring two toddlers, and she has our third baby. And no showers. I hadn't finished a shower yet. So just a clawfoot tub. I tried so hard. And um, she had a crisis moment. So she's in the laundry room. She's doing something, and she's like, you know what? If I left Corey, no one would fault me. And then her next thought was, that's stupid. Then I'm not do it all alone. And she was done with it. The problem is she comes around the corner and tells me this. Her husband's stuck in bed. And I'm mortified. It's like, oh my gosh, my wife. Because I, I felt like an absolute loser. Because I could not do anything. My kid, I have memories of my kids trying to pull me off the couch to play. And them crying. And me crying. And I can't. And, um, that's the beginning. That's part of why it's been amazing to go backpacking and go do the things, snow skiing and snowboarding and things I never thought I could do. Because we've actually created a different life than we thought we had kind of in the beginning. And there's been stages. So, we connect us. The couples that I work with who've gone through affairs and come out to the other side tend to have really strong marriages, beautiful marriages that I actually envy. I'm not gonna go that route. <laughs> and then one day I realized we've been that route. Trauma, hard times, creates a bond. And that's actually what's scary and sad. Some of you parents, you've been through that. You know what it's like. Teens, preteens, in some sense, I don't wish it on you, but that's what's going to have to happen. What are the hard things you're going to go through that's going to make you into the man or woman that God's going to use? Not only out there in other jobs or other kind of stuff, but inside as a husband, as a wife, as a mom and a dad. As I look back at that season and it blows my mind where we've come from, how we've come from that and where we're at in our journey. May you marry well. That's to me the most important piece of this. May you marry well. A best friend, a person that you would be so proud to show as yours to do life with. You don't know what's around the corner. Because for us, it could have gone very different. I could still be in bed. I could still be stuck. We would have a very different life. And so evaluating that future and evaluating these things, go back to those top 10 must-have, can't stand. It's kind of cheesy, actually. But it's not when you really think through, I want to use wisdom. And God, I don't know. The kind of women that I was attracted to or I wanted to date were all opposite of her. It's so funny to think about that. And then I meet her through this dating thing, and it's like, eh, she's only my age. <laughs> and, so, and it was really, and she actually emailed me first, which I have to always remind her, she's the one that made the first move. <laughs> um, and then 10 months later, we're walking down the aisle. She's walking down the aisle. It's just the beautiful, but that's just the beginning. This is still just gets us into the marriage. We haven't even really spent that time. So then what is marriage? And that's, that's where the rubber meets the road of how do we do life. You teens, by the way, you're watching your moms and dads. And hopefully others. Hopefully others in your church or others around you. You're watching other parents evaluating 
I would love to have a wife like that, a husband like that. I'd love to be someone like that. The more people you can kind of have in your circle you're watching helps you evaluate because you're not your mom and dad. But if you're not careful, you'll become your mom and dad. <laughs> and so have these people in your life. Um, get involved. In, if you're involved in some kind of sport, watch your coach. Watch different people and, and consciously do this. You're doing this unconsciously. You're taking in all this stuff unconsciously. I want you to do this consciously, to very intentionally go, you know what? The way he treated her, the way she treated him, yes, I want that. Put that away. File that away. What that's going to do is protect you from yourself because you're your worst enemy because you're going to want to settle for something else and not have the most amazing relationship that God would actually want for you. I don't mean perfect and I don't mean easy in the end. Life will happen. But best friends... That when I look back at that time with my wife, it was hard, but we don't have ill feelings through that. Because we were journeying, journeying through that together as a team. Which now makes decisions today a lot, um, a lot easier to make as a team, which is really important. So, if you need anything from me, you can go there. Thank you so much for coming. This links to this the PowerPoint. I'll have it up later today, and then uh, video stuff as well. And it's been an honor to, to come and be a part of this. So blessings. Thank you for tuning in to the Healing Lives with Corey Gilbert podcast. It has been an honor to serve. If you are struggling, have questions, or in need, Dr. Gilbert offers a free consultation for new clients. Check us out at healinglives.com to book a call. If this has been helpful to you, please share it, leave a review, and help us get the word out so that we can see lives changed, marriages transformed, and more people come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. The Healing Lives Center offers online courses, programs, books, intensives, and other services to help you live biblically and well. Discover more resources on YouTube and in Dr. Gilbert's Healing Marriage Facebook group, The Healing Marriage.